0: Yum, yum Hello and welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave.
1: I'm Rob. And I'm Richard.
0: And on episode 13, we're talking about culture for the masses, also known as Art for Art's Sake antiques and art restoration although i must admit i've only ever heard the first two of those but apparently those other titles do exist Uh, first broadcast on the 5th of november 1971 on friday at 10 10 p.m now i'm going to go out there at the start gentlemen and say i really quite enjoy this one Uh, we spoke during the lost tribe episode about examples of ones that didn't necessarily have wall-to-wall gags but had a good story that carried them through and I think this is a good example of that. Are there the the same quality of gags regularly as something like The Music Master? I'll say no, but it's got a good idea, a good story that threads its way through with some good jokes in there. I don't mind it. Richard, what about you?
1: I'm probably not going to be quite as effusive. I thought, look, it, it had a point to an ep- the episode. It obviously had something to say. I don't know that it always hit the mark. For me, there were probably a couple of... Points where I I probably was looking at how much longer it had to go, but uh, look, it's certainly look, it's certainly well done, and it's quite a, a quite an inventive episode. And as I said, it definitely does have something to say. So look, it was it was worth certainly worth watching.
2: Uh, well, I'm a, a bit more happier with it than New Richard. I, I thought that there was, I mean, the satire of you know Americans and, and their money and their their, their crass regard for, for culture and all that sort of thing, and, and also the commercial exploitation of art. I thought that was sort of a really interesting scene to mine. I think it bears comparison a little bit with the music uh, music lovers insofar as the use of musical instruments to generate humour and then the use of the artworks to generate humour is sort of similar. Mm.
0: But otherwise, I thought it was a pretty effective episode and, you know, pretty funny. Yeah, it's another one like Pollution that I didn't have very strong memories of and didn't really think of it as being that good. And I've enjoyed a lot more on the ring watching. Again I suspect because the jokes are not ones that a kid would get. Mm. They're the ones you need to be able to appreciate a bit more.
1: No, that's that's probably true. I mean look my main memory of it seeing it on the ABC was certainly the bit at the end with the magic magic painting to, to recreate Monarch of the Glen. Yes. yes. And and I do remember some of the visual stuff where they you know, they turn it into they turn the art gallery into, into a fun park. Some of those scenes. But you're right. I mean a lot of the early stuff where they're in the auction rooms or when they're in the office talking to the minister, I, I don't really remember at all. So clearly, they, again, as, as a kid, they didn't really make any much impression on me at all. And,
0: and what's very interesting, I thought, watching it, was that it actually assumes a reasonably high level of knowledge of the arts, which perhaps says something about the difference between an audience in 1971 and 2016, because a lot of the casual references they have, and the jokes rely on the references, I don't think we necessarily land today.
2: No, I agree. Mm.
0: but interestingly it starts off again not with them getting a a hire or commission but they've just rocked up to an art dealership to Mm. see what they can buy and get engrossed in the story from there
1: do we think that's a better approach than them being hired i I think it frees them up maybe to to just get into the story rather Mm. than having to set up why they're there and it probably gives them a greater avenue just to, to walk into situations rather than, than, you know, because the, the the agency is probably in some ways a bit restrictive because you're relying on, oh, we've got a job for you. So you have to then find a reason, what can that job be? And then how can we turn that off? Whereas by just walking into the art sale at Sotheby's, you can immediately get in, you can just get straight into the story. Very down market Sotheby's though, isn't it? It's a bit grubby. (laughs) Well, I I think the whole thing, and I mean, look, the the auctioneer's sort of done this a bit like a Cockney barrow boy sort Mm. of thing, really. I mean, he's, you know, not not what you would expect a um, Sotheby's auctioneer to be, but. No,
0: and there's no other bidders but them and the Americans. Yes. And, um, (laughs) yeah, no, you're right. It's a little bit cheap, but they get some good gags out of there, like, who's that Renoir? I thought he was a fella. (laughs) Or, Or Tim's. Inability to, oh, the, the one, you know, with the, the nudes! A... <laughs> uh, there's some quite good
1: stuff in there. there. There is a bit of... One thing that struck me about that first scene, though, is... is and again, it was a bit sort of... Eh, is where they're sort of comparing the nudes to, to basic pornography. Because, you know, Bill makes the point that he knows a shop you can go into where they've got much better mm. stuff than this. And he says to the auction, you know, where's, where's the, the good stuff, out, out the back, where's the good you stuff? Know,
0: some, something different, something special.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, you are sort of in that era where, where pornography was was heavily regulated and, and clamped down on in, in England, you know, you had those sort of backstreet shops that... that,
0: that I'll, I'll take your word for that. ...that, that for sure. sold dirty well, magazines. Refers
1: but, to, uh, Tim, Bill refers to Soho, doesn't
2: he, which was, yeah, uh, you know, re, re, had a seedy reputation. It, it did. It
0: uh, still, still does.
1: Does it? Oh, okay, all right. I don't know, that just felt a bit, again, probably grubby? A little bit. Needlessly? Yeah, a little yeah. bit.
0: Oh, I, I, no, I actually. Maybe I'm
1: just being a pro. I
2: don't but know. Isn't but isn't it interesting that it, it's Bill, well, that's his character, I suppose, that it's Bill all the time who brings up that sort of aspect, isn't well, it?
1: Well, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Because Tim is supposed to be the cultured art lover, you know, and he wants he wants to keep British paintings in Britain, even if they're not by Br- actually by British painters. <laughs> which, again, sort of, I guess, that he's very much that establishment that, that's yeah. upper crust. Character.
0: But, but but isn't this whole thing part of the message of the episode? In that they're puncturing that idea of what actually constitutes art versus what constitutes value, and they're making a point. You know, why is a painted nude artistic, whereas a photographed nude is not? And and yes, you can draw definitely some lines about you know what's artistic, what's really pornographic. But they're, they're they're I think you know making a bit of a message. You know, why is a Velasquez worth that amount of money. Well, the answer is because somebody's willing to pay for it. Is it necessarily more or less beautiful because it's more or less expensive?
1: Oh, so I, I probably didn't really get all of that from the episode. I mean, look, I, my main message was really that art should be accessible to everybody, and it's not. It shouldn't be something that could be sold for several hundred million pounds or whatever, and then locked away in somebody's private gallery
0: or sold to America.
1: No, or sold to America. It should be something that should be accessible culture, and that should be something that should be accessible to everybody. Mm. Probably more actually more more than a discussion on what what actually constitutes art.
0: Okay, well, true We've taken it in different ways, and that's perhaps affects our, our views. You mm,
1: too. Oh well, no, I,
2: I agree with your point that the whole tenor of what Tim's trying to do, and I think, it, in a sense, this is a, this is a Tim heavy episode, is a driver of most of what goes on. Yeah, mm. his thing is to keep the art in Britain so that it's available for everyone and then the convoluted sort of <laughs> events that happen later are driven from that
0: it is but but and i'm not saying that that's not part of the yeah. message i'm just saying i took other messages from okay. it. well at the same time though you have them Graham particularly, but them agreeing making the point nobody wants to go to the city art gallery mm. so it's all very well saying we have all this culture we've got it on display if nobody wants to see it is it that important and is it that valuable
2: but on your point about uh, you know what's pornography and what isn't, I mean, there's there's numerous instances through art history where, a, a, for instance, a nude, a painted nude, has been displayed, and then the, the, the authorities have said, no, you've got to you've got to cover that up. I think there's a Goya, uh, famous one, where a lady's lying reclined naked on a, on a on a couch, and the authorities said, no, we can't display that. You've got to paint over it. I think he's actually painted it.
0: Well, well, the Statue of David. Yes. Has, has gone in and out of those controversies for mm. a couple of hundred years.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, look, it's a yeah, very... Well, I, th- I think that's a valid interpretation of it, but we'll see.
2: Clearly, the authorities don't like us seeing real women naked, but are quite prepared for us to see a painting that's naked because it's a second-hand representation of someone. Ooh. Somehow, we can, our minds aren't besmirched by that.
0: They mm. then, of course, get to the um, Americans with that, that lovely little line, those aren't love, art lovers, they're Americans, <laughs> and the portrayal of them as you know, the, the stereotypical... Yeah, you know, Texan...
1: Loud, loud, yeah, brash. Ten-gallon
0: yeah. hat. Crass. Um, crass mm-hmm. More money than, than I do with... Which, let's face it, is a trope that continues now. I mean, The Simpsons did it. Yeah. You know, lots of TV shows have done it.
2: Though, having said that, the greatest art philanthropists at the moment, or you know, in the last 30 years, have been Americans. Yes. You know, the Guggenheim and all that sort of thing yeah, around absolutely.
0: the world. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not a fair a stereotype, but it's a funny one. Mm. <laughs> which I, can, I guess is the point. Um... Tim then goes and buys the Velasquez 4, and I've got it written down to make sure I get it right. <laughs> 1 million, billion, quintillion, zillion pounds, and 2.5 and new pence. Of which they pay 13p. <laughs> and, and look, again, we, we mentioned this a few times over the course of our episodes, but the episode would kind of fall down if they'd said, right, can you actually give us the cash before you get the painting. <laughs>
1: well, that's <laughs> as, true. As
0: opposed to giving it to them on on
1: oh, approval. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, before we get to that point, though, a little side note that I've made here is that when they play Land of Hope and Glory, and we'll talk about that in our tropes, it's Graham that's on the sax rather than Bill. Mm. But the interesting point I wanted to mention here is he says, you've taken Julie Andrews and David Frost and you can keep them. Now, David Frost, I'm thinking, is we're really quite used to being an object of humour, but it's really diff- weird to hear Julie Andrews mentioned in that same sort of sentence. It's like kicking a cat. I kept it, Yeah, Sorry. Yes. Julie Andrews now sort of this wonderful, beloved icon of culture and,
1: and cinema and, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And is it. I was just going to say,
2: is it when they're doing The Land of Hope and Glory, is it. Gra- uh, Graham. Bill
1: looks like he's about ready to start laughing. That's it. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Which I thought was it interesting. Now, actually, a bit there just interjecting. Um, He again has the lemon sherbet, Bill. Yes. Uh, when they're walking around at the start. Just drinking it. But, yes,
2: uh, that's right. Not hallucinating.
0: Yeah, so then we get into the uh, Minister of Culture arriving, who played by Julian Orchard. Anyone got any comments or notes on him or his portrayal?
2: I thought it was a good performance, actually.
0: Mm, I, I,
2: th- thought, I so. thought he had the right tone of officiousness mm. yeah. and uh, public servant uh, public service obduracy uh, in, in him. So, yeah, I thought it was good.
0: Yeah, I, I like it. And then, then, obviously, he wants to pay for the painting and then can a debate about whether you then have... Fees for the art gallery and make everybody visit it five times a day for twenty-five pounds <laughs> each or something. Mm. Then they then have to go make money. Now, I think this is the first example of the goodies being becoming criminals to do a good thing because they actually go and steal. Although
1: well, they don't steal all the artwork. They go and steal all
0: the artwork. Now we see this again as the series goes on. Yes. But it is interesting that the goodies suddenly, although they think they're justified in it become...
1: The baddies. The baddies. <laughs> the baddies. <laughs> what did
0: we make of that? Or did we not even notice?
2: I didn't notice, but you, now that you pointed out, it's obvious mm. that they've done that. I, ends justify the means, it gets the plot moving along, how else would they have got the... Well, that's the out? thing, yeah, they,
1: they need to go. get the money, so... Yeah.
2: And I suppose going against you know, stereotype it can be amusing as well.
0: Mm. Okay, that leads into our sequence of them as cleaners. Which, I, I made a note here that, w- w- why are they cleaning the paintings? Because they clearly have just imposed as cleaners to go and steal them. Mm. Uh, it, it does show later on that they're waiting for the security guard, the, the one security guard, uh, <laughs> to asleep. fall asleep. <laughs> so they can then load up an entire National Gallery's worth of treasures on the back of the bike and, mm, and, and take and off with them. Take yeah. off them. That, that, to me, was a weaker part of the episode because there were some good gags in there, as you said, Rob. They make use of the way, of the art yes. to do it, and there's some good stuff in there. But I, I was not really going, well, "Why are they doing this? Don't they just want to steal them?"
2: Well, they're effectively destroying most of the artwork. Well, they are, which, which is true. Which is strange. It's yeah. I, I, obviously, you're just playing for the gag, yeah, yeah, which undermines the story intent. But I will say that the Mona Lisa looks suspiciously larger than the real one. But uh, yes. <laughs> yes,
0: it does. It's a long time since I've seen the Mona Lisa. Though. It's, um, Yes, it's about the A I'm big, I think, right. by holding my
2: hands up. It's good radio, but there you go. Yes. And why is the Mona Lisa in a British art <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's actually a few things. I think I think the Venus the, the to Milo is there as well. And yeah. A few other ones. So, they're, they're, look, they're, they're picking pieces of artwork that would... Oh, well, people, I mean, people yeah. would recognise. People recognise, yes. yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that's fine. That's fine. So, we end of the second half. Now, I've made a note here... That Tim's actually incredibly unreasonable in this second half, in that he wants so many almost counterproductive or uh, diametrically opposed outcomes. Mm. And he's not willing to budge on any of them, to the point that he's expecting his friends to, you know, risk coughing up one million, billion, quintillion, zillion pounds and two and a half pence.
1: Less than thirteen, people Less have than already 13 pence already paid. Well, they mm. stopped
0: to cough it up. And how do you guys find Tim in this episode?
1: I don't think that he was
2: too different from what we've seen before. I thought that he was, you know... I mean, as I said before, he, he is very front and square mm. in, in this episode. His obduracy or his, uh, you know, stonewalling or whatever, that's a Tim
1: thing, though, isn't it? He? he can be very stubborn. I think so, because it's what he thinks is best, best for Britain.
0: It is, but and Graham has a lovely little line in there where Tim says, this is what the public want, or this is public opinion, and Graham says... Whose opinion mm. is it actually? Mm. And again, I think this is uh, making fun of or highlighting that idea that an educated, cultural, you know, upper middle class decide what the masses actually yes, do. Yes, he, what know, what he what knows
1: best. best what's best for everybody. Yes. yes.
0: Despite the fact that nobody actually goes to see it, but it's very important that they're there. To
1: be honest, I found that middle office sequence quite convoluted and I, I found it dragged a lot, particularly mm. when the minister comes back.
0: Yeah, look, I I, I I enjoyed this episode, but I thought um, that was a weaker part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that that was one of the points where they were sort of arguing over how they were going to move the money, and I was just sort of sitting there just thinking, just just get on with it, really. But yeah. it's,
0: it's, it sets up the idea of the art gallery as the fun gallery, and I thought that was quite well
1: done. Look, I thought that next bit, that was really well done, where they go in and they, they actually start making use of the art. They're knocking the arms off the Venus de Milo. They knock the, you know, can you mm. knock the smile off the laughing cavalier? mm <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought some some of that was quite clever and quite yeah. well done. And they are making a point
2: that I suppose if you want the art to be appreciated, you've got to do something to popularise it. And, you know, I mean, as you were saying, that it's it's for the upper middle classes, effectively, art. But if you want people to go in and, you know, have generate the money to maintain it, you've got to do something to get the, get the common point yeah, through out. the door.
0: And, and look, we see that here now today with, art galleries and museums in Melbourne where we are mm. that every year they'll have the big exhibition that's going to get more people through the door mm. and they're going to come for you know, the Napoleonic Works or the Van Gogh exhibition or yeah. something and then they'll go to the art gallery generally but they need that to come in. Uh, you can look at the um, profits for the Melbourne Museum and you get a exhibition in there that doesn't resonate for a year and their sales are awful you put Jurassic World in there or you put the ancient Egyptians in there Mm. and people will flock to it so people do actually need this excuse to go along
2: uh, we're going right off tangent here I suppose do you still get the middle class coming in and not the lower classes do you get the children of university educated kids university educated people going to see those sort of things in the working-class suburbs of Melbourne, are they going to go see ancient Egyptians? Are they going to go see Napoleon? Are they going to go see Van Gogh? Uh, probably not,
0: or probably not. less less likely to. No. And so I
2: mean, in you, that case, then, if, if we had chances for them to come and kick a football into the face of the Venus de Molo, would the lower come? Would, would they come?
0: come?
1: Well, see, I suppose, I mean, there's that traditional argument, and it's about, I mean, it's also around sport, keeping things affordable and keeping it so that your... You know, lower socio-economic groups can can still come to the footy, or they can still go to whatever event it is. You know, so you have the expensive seats, and then you have the the, the either the cheaper seats, or you set it at a, you have to set it at a price point where you're not going to price people out mm. of coming.
0: Yeah, well, look, I think, and I think, you know, you say this is a side topic, Rob, but I think this is what the episode's about. And it's interesting that the goodies, whilst being very funny with lots of very visual gags, are making these points, or at mm. least at least putting them up for discussion. Mm. And I say discussion because Graham does, and and to to an extent Bill, but very much Graham in this episode, does offer the counterbalance to Tim's opinions quite regularly. So I think they are putting it out there.
2: Mm. Well, I mean, if you're going to satirise it, which is what they're doing, you have to have the the differing opinions up to be able to satirise it properly. Mm.
0: It is. So we come towards the ending where, let's face it, Tim has a massive change of heart where he's willing to just sell everything for anything to the uh, Americans. as
1: soon as, as soon as it's now suddenly he has to pay for the damages that's yeah that's right. right
0: so but that's fine Look, at the, the episode had to end um i did note here that one of the americans does get the phrase say now i said say now which <laughs> i don't know if it's a deliberate foghorn leg on reference but I, I i hope it is i hope it is and it ends with as you said richard that most memorable part of it which is so yeah.
1: we're, we're, we're Bill won't let them, he's finally found the painting, that he, the Monarch of the Glen, because that's what him represents art. Yeah. Um, and he won't let it be sold.
0: So they'll just make a whole lot of copies with some CSO paint. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cleverly done, and hmm. I, I suspect that they only probably had two or three Monarchs of the Glens and these copies being passed around behind, <laughs> behind, the camera, <laughs> behind the camera so that we can keep passing them around. Uh, but, yeah, look, it's... Well, I enjoyed it. it. It's got a couple of weaker points, but... I enjoyed it. Any general thoughts before we get
2: to our regular segments? Um, no. 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 I think I'm right.
0: Okay, so we move on to adverts. Uh, Richard, do you want to take us off here?
1: Well, there's there. There was originally two ads in this. The there ABC's
2: is, got its scissors out again, hasn't no.
1: it? No. Well, what actually happened here? The ads that when it was originally shown, um, there's a the, uh, the Cathay soap ad that's still in there with with the lather test, mm.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, which I
1: thought was a bit weak actually. Mm. Well, the second ad that's in there is, and it's one—it's the Butch Tobacco for Men ad, which now is in the Montro or the the now only surviving version of Kitten Kong.
2: Okay,
1: it's the one where they're they're Tim smoking the pipe, and he's got the big burly bodyguard with him, and the women are chasing him, obviously because of the tobacco brand of tobacco he smokes. <laughs> and then they go through the gate, and then he and the bodyguard walk off holding hands. Is that? Well, it's in the kitten. It's in the, the Kitten Kong episode but it was originally in this episode here and then once it had been trimmed and put into the Montreux episode it was then removed from this uh, for any future screenings.
2: So the only existing version at the moment lacks that. Yes. Was they lifted and moved it to, to Kitten Kong because Kitten Kong ended the, an ad? Well
1: I'd say probably that when they redid Kitten Kong because the Robinson's paper ad and we're sort of going a bit off tangent here but the Robinson's paper ad that's in uh, Kitten Kong was always in Kitten Kong. Yeah. There was a second ad originally in Kitten Kong that I I don't think anybody now has any details of that clearly wasn't deemed good enough. So they picked an earlier ad and and from earlier in the season dropped it in there and then because it was now in the Kitten Kong one, it was cut out of this one. So this now only has one ad, basically, officially.
0: There you go.
1: So we've all seen the butch tobacco for men. Well,
2: once I see Kitten Kong again, I'll try about it. You know, I don't know
0: what you mean. mean. Goody's Tropes. So, we mentioned before we have Land of Hope and Glory speech. This time, though, without the uh, music, it's yes. been played live by Graham.
1: Mm-hmm. Is he, he is playing the saxophone live. Oh, is I sure don't
0: know Graham himself is playing the okay. saxophone. But,
1: but it's not done with the whole the pressing the button on the yep. computer or yep. whatever, putting the record on.
0: No. Uh, so, we're still not quite at the no the uh, maturation of yeah. that, that track. Which
1: is, you know, when he has the gramophone, he puts the needle on the, on the gramophone <laughs> record and away yep. he goes.
0: Uh, we get a David Frost gag. Yep. Uh, now Julie Andrews can we count her as a goody trope she's got a couple of mentions this season and she gets another one later in the season in the Baddies, I believe
1: Yes there is I think she is I think she comes in a few times I don't think she's probably a regular target mm. did, did she have her own TV show at this time Why well, was she, she in the public eye She
0: was obviously off in America at this point because okay. that's the joke they're making in yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. so, so I think you. she was doing a bit of you know, the Julie Andrews hour or Whatever. something like that or something mm. of that nature Yeah but, you know, having, having won an Oscar and a Tony or whatever she had, go and make some money in America, I guess. Yep, I think so. That, that part of her career, we don't really talk about her anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, things you couldn't get away with today. I'm going to go with the reference to the Puffy tie. That's the one yes. I had. Yes. Yep. Look, that's The
1: maniac what... and the puffy tie.
0: Yes. Uh, look, that's a word I would even hesitate to use these days in yep. quotes. So excuse me for doing so. It, it actually, I think it says something about where we are today in 2016, that that word actually felt quite wrong. It actually feels quite out of place. Okay. You, you didn't take it that way? or?
2: Um, I noted it, but um, you, you never hear it used now. Never. No. never. no,
1: I mean, I think we did discuss this in one of the... Well, I can't remember which episode it was. We, have, we discussed this a few episodes back. It was a word clearly that was in use at the time, and I, I know there are other... Examples where it's used. I mean, that there's a some others do have an episode. Oh, yeah. So. Um, and there's an episode of the young ones, mm. um, where, where Vivian calls Rick a porf.
0: Mm. Oh, there's a, a um, Black like uh, Adder goes forth, um, in the Rick Male Edmondson episode where he shoots. Oh, that's where right. Malay, that's, not, right. Where a, a, a that's right. He shoots at Edmondson.
1: That's right. Yeah. Water. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's
0: right. It, it, look, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking them for it because it was in common usage at the time. Yeah. It did stand out to me, that was a word that just would not be used today. Correct. Mm. OK. Any, any other differences? I thought it was actually a fairly tame episode. Yeah, it you, was. You, I, I mean,
2: wouldn't,
1: you wouldn't destroy famous
2: works in one <laughs> these days. You wouldn't do that in any era,
1: so... No. I mean, look, it, it was one... I, I don't think it was ever cut here in Australia. I think that the only bit is... There's one bit, I think, where they're talking about the, the Renoir having a great pair of knockers. That, I think, was cut here. But other than that, I think the rest of oh, it really? was, was okay, cut I, through. I must admit, I found
0: that quite innocuous. Mm. Because, um, because it sort of went to the characters.
1: Yeah, that that was cut here, I believe.
0: Okay, so we get to our favourite gags segment. I'll lead off this time. I'm gonna go with Graham and Tim's line. Uh, the three cleaners you sent for, Nudge, will be along in half an hour. A ay, ay, ay. and Tim's repeated it down the phone. I thought look that, that really just made me laugh and it's a nice simple gag. <laughs> I liked it. Richard, you have a nomination?
1: I don't know that I really have a line so much. I mean, look, there's a couple of quite funny ones. I mean, like, they're not art lovers, they're Americans. That, I must admit, that, guy did, that did give me a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with that one.
2: I will go with Bill accidentally bidding Tim up in
1: the during the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Graham telling him to shut up. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shut there's, up, you fool. There's that <laughs> one for me.
0: Yeah, so there's some good jokes in it. As I say, I'm not putting this in the same league as other early episodes in the season, like Scotland or The Music Lovers. I think it's up there with something like Pollution, which is a good story with some good jokes. Not a classic, but a solid episode.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Which brings us to a little conversation we want to have as part of this episode. Gents, we're 13 episodes in. We're halfway through the second series. And this would be about where you would expect a series to have found itself. Where do we think The Goodies is at this point?
2: I don't think it has this second series so far, has reached the heights that we saw in Pirate Radio goodies? No, probably not. And I still think it's finding its feet in terms of its format, specifically in how it gets into the story. There's a mixture of someone hires them or they stumble across a story.
1: And they're, maybe they're starting to realise that the that the office thing doesn't always work. True. True, I would agree with that.
2: I would agree with or that. The agency and, idea, perhaps. Yeah, I will say that um, having looked at some later episodes, the, they haven't hit their potential in terms of their comedy value. So there's a lot of, I think, better episodes to come in, in in a few more seasons' time.
0: Okay, I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Yep. I think that when they hit their highs, they're hitting their as good as they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Scotland and music lovers. Uh, classic episodes, their top five or top ten episodes, so their highs are as good as we're going to get. I think the problem we still have at the moment is their lows are very, very low. When you look at something like the Lost Tribe, that's a really awful episode, and a couple of others that we're going to get to in the latter half of the season are equally low. So I think their highs are actually quite good, but their lows drag their average down, and their average will be a lot better in later season. Richard, you're making faces at me, so I know um... you disagree with me.
1: No, I, I think actually in some ways you're, you're probably both right, just to have a bob each way. Well, look, I think a lot of the series is there. I think the characters are pretty much now locked in. I don't I don't yeah. think there's too much variation, I don't think, in what we see from any of the three characters from here on. I think they've got a lot of the visual stuff down pat. I think they've now got an idea of what works, what doesn't. They're quite happy to still throw themselves around Yep. for the purposes of this. In terms of the episodes themselves yeah look, I, I think it is a case. there are still some duff ones, uh, I think here, and there, there are um, I think probably a few not very good ones to come in the remainder of this season. I think there are a couple of very good ones to come in the remainder of this season, but there are also a couple of not really very good ones at all, and we'll discuss those when we get to them without wanting to preempt.
0: So are we saying that we're all very happy the format has now landed? But they're still making it not not work, but making it work consistently or getting right. the best out of that. I story. think their
2: problem at the moment is consistency. Yeah. Because this yeah. first, this first, uh, it seemed like in the first series that they were building towards the last episode. Yep. And. After Scotland, they've sort of lost their grasp on that and they've sort of slid a little bit. I mean, it's, it's been very bumpy, yeah. I've felt, the last six episodes. Yeah, and I,
1: I think the rest of the season, as I said a minute ago, I think the rest of the season will continue that. There are a couple of what I think are very good episodes to come, mm-hmm. but there are also a couple of, I think, very, very ordinary episodes. The,
0: the thing that I've noted as we've gone through Season 2 is I remember when we were looking at Season 1 a month or two ago, particularly when we started right back with stuff like Snooze and Cecily, we noticed that some of the characters just weren't what we knew of them. Tim particularly just didn't feel like Tim. I haven't thought that for any of the last few weeks' episodes. i thought that consistently Tim, Bill and Graham felt like the Tim, Bill and Graham we expected. And it's now getting the best out of the characters, not finding the characters.
2: I want to ask a question. I'm thinking of the three actors and their performances and where each of them sits within an episode. And the more I think about it, the more I think that Bill Oddie is the man who stands out as being in the shade of the other two. Am I being unfair? I I don't think
0: we've had a really strong Bill episode. Yet? Yet. I'm thinking even back, Snooze is probably the one, if any of them, even that's not really his episode.
2: Because I I just find that, I mean, of the three, if we're going to be ranking people, it's Graham, Tim and Bill for me. And I've... I find that if Graham and Tim are playing exaggerated versions of themselves or just a, a role and Bill is just playing himself, I think Bill gets lost.
0: Well, I think at the moment Tim has that leadership role within the group, so he gets to do a lot of the leading. Graham, as we've said, Graham Gardner's a wonderful physical comedian, mm. so he sort of stands out in that sense. and He also gets the job of solving the problems and leading the plans. I think in the next probably month to six weeks... We'll start to see Bill get a few more episodes where he stars, and that might change us. That might change our view, but you're right. I can't think of a really strong Bill episode we've seen in these thirteen.
1: Mm. No, I mean, you, and arguably you probably won't get one for a little while. I mean, obviously when you get a bit later, and then you start to get two of the goodies. Versus the other one, yeah. you then start to get some, like I mean, Eki Thump is obviously the one that immediately leaps to mind because that really is a Bill episode, mm. yeah. and he gets some really good material in there. But yeah, you're probably right. I, I think he's maybe the, the the one of the three who's who's probably least well served at the moment. I think,
0: mm. but he does do very well in being the counterpunch to a lot of the other characters. Like, he does. Like, like, like you couldn't do it without. Him. No. no, you
1: need you need three. Two won't work. You need three of them, and of course, let's face it. I mean, he's writing all the music at this point as well. So, yes. I mean, you know, he is really probably putting in more than the others in some ways. I mean, he's also writing the and episodes writing as well, and and writing the episode and, and writing all the music. True. So, do do we have anything else we want to say about this one for, for before it's time to take a walk in the Black Forest?
0: No, no, I, I enjoyed it. It's got its faults, but I think it's a good episode.
2: Yeah, I agree with Dave.
1: Okay, and, and and as I said, look, I enjoyed it. I probably didn't get quite as much out of it as you two. But it was enjoyable to watch. So, next episode is... Well, the next episode in sequence actually would be the original version of Kitten and Kong. Now, we've made a bit of an executive decision that because the original version no longer exists, we're going to skip that and we're going to go to the following episode, which is Come Dancing, otherwise known as Wicked Waltzing, and we'll catch up with Kitten and Kong at the end of the season when we do the Montrose special. And, of course, we will talk about the differences between the, uh, between the two. So, on that note, if no one's got anything else to say, I've been Richard, I've been Rob, and
0: I've been Dave,
1: and now it's time for a walk in the Black Forest.
0: aren't art lovers, they're Americans. Really? <laughs>